scrimmage. Here's Cora. Welcome to the Casuals to Degenerates podcast. I'm your host, Luke Probasco, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Jacob Belville. Welcome, Jacob. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. I am feeling pretty good. Had the day off of work today. Um, went and sat on a patio, had some beers. I don't really want to talk about what happened afterwards, but uh, it wasn't too bad. How about you, Jacob? Pretty good. Just had a regular work day. I think my deck got finished up today, so we're going to be painting that, and then good to go. So Ready you for college football season. You think that it got done today? Like you paid well, enough money, paid. you don't know if it got done. We definitely paid enough money to know whether it's done or not. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we need to paint it. Basically, is what what the case is. But yeah, it's done. That's great. So you're going to host college football Hawaii games up to mm-hmm. two in the morning. Out on I the deck. Know, I, don't, I don't know if the kids are going to be going for Hawaii games, but we can we can definitely host some games. That sounds great. And we have got a special guest with us here this week. We have got Eric Froton from NBC Sports, also a great first baseman, the best out in the uh, San Diego area, which is, I believe, Spanish. For, for something I can't remember what it is, but you guys probably know. Uh, yeah, it's, it was an anchor man. I, I you can paraphrasing. I think it had something to do with, a, with the fish's reproductive organs. Yeah, and uh, uh, one of one of Eric's favorite things to do is hit dingers because uh, chicks dig the long ball. But you know, <laughs> we're not exactly sure about what a dinger is, but I believe it's an old old wooden ship used back in the Civil War era. Oh so, wow, Luke, I, I love the you know the the Jeopardy-esque trivia here for me. I appreciate that. I did not know that that was what a dinger was, but uh fortunately at the hallowed Pacific Beach Recreation Center here in San Diego, California, you are correct. I am the greatest first baseman in the history of the PB Rec Center. So you are correct about that, sir. That's how I like to lead. Forget about any of the college fantasy stuff or NBC. Greatest first baseman in the history of the PV Rec Center. Thank you. No problem. And you're probably wondering how I knew what a dinger was. 
And last week we had John Lobb on, who is a history teacher. Oh, and that's sure that's where I learned that. <laughs> He's the man. I love John. <laughs> so make sure you go out here. Stop what you're doing. Make sure you go out, download, rate, and review. Give us nothing but six stars. I know set five is the only thing that's possible, but give us six. And six stars in the Tokyo Dome, like Dave Meltzer says, for Kenny Omega versus uh, Okada. Sorry, that's a wrestling. So <laughs> AEW, not. You know what? Quick, quick side note. How was AEW? I saw that you had a picture that you were there. Yeah. How oh, it was it? excellent. It was excellent. I, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I like to consider myself one of the the more prominent wrestling fans in the college uh, slash pro football space, and uh, I go to all the PWG Pro Wrestling Guerrilla shows up in LA. Uh, got to see a couple of Defy shows last year in Seattle, and uh, obviously. If the big show is going to come around, I'm going to be there. So, yeah, very exciting to have a ringside seat at AEW and, uh, and get some camera time as Moxley and the crew walked past. And then uh, Jay White and his Bullet Club uh, partner there, Juice Robinson, were standing right next to me. And, unfortunately, I'm way taller than they are. So, I think <laughs> I made him look small because, you know, I'm, I'm a basketball player. I'm like 6'4". So. You know what you should do is you were in the front row there. You should have had a big sign that says play C2C or play CFF. Fantasy football. I have, I have literally, if you, well, it's not pinned anymore, but when I went to, uh, I had, I was on the sidelines for North Carolina versus Oregon, the holiday bowl in San Diego. It was played in Petco stadium. First ever football game played in Petco. And uh, I was there on the field. And for that game, for the when I you know the game got done, I actually had made up a play college fantasy football shirt and took it off and walked around and you know did a little selfie and talked about the game and said play college fantasy football. So I'm personally disappointed in myself. I went with Oklahoma State. You know I thought that was on brand, but you're right. I should have had my play college fantasy. I could you know I could tell you were wearing an Oklahoma State shirt because you looked like you were a man and you looked like you're roughly forty. Oh, man, I'm 40. Yeah, that's right. I, I actually got this in uh, directly on campus at Oklahoma State in 2011 when I went to see the Brandon Whedon-led Cowpokes uh, in T. Boone Pickens Stadium, beat Oklahoma for the first time in eight years, and they eviscerated it. It was like 44 to 7. And I was actually on the field and amongst a throng of lawbreakers – uh, who marched the goalposts out of T Boone Pickens Stadium for that thing? So that's that's why I love this shirt because I think about that's the one time I got to be in part of a goalpost marching. Nice, very cool. So we are going to get into our quick hitter this week. If you're not familiar, we are going to or I am going to give our guys here five clues to guess which player I am talking about. This could be NFL. This could be college. Um, and we'll go from there. But by clue number five, you should be able to get it. Jacob, Eric, when you believe you have have this person down, let me know and we'll lock it in. So let's get started. Clue one, I am a wide receiver going into my fifth, the- fifth season in college. Does anyone want to lock it in? No. No, not yet. Okay. Well, Jacob, I do want to let you know, Tweet would probably know who this is by now. 
because yeah, he's probably, just, on, probably on Tweet's team. So, <laughs> two, I commanded a 17.8% market share in my second season on this team. So, second t- season on the team, not second season in college. Uh, we'll say second season, second season, or second year in college. Okay. Clue so he's number, in his fifth year. He's in his f- fifth year. Yep. Commanded a seventeen point eight percent market share, and he's still on the same team. Not yet. Okay. All right. Clue three, like movie stars. I transferred up to the big leagues, and in doing so, I commanded an 18.4% market share. Locked so, it in. Okay, Jacob is locked it in. So this person, going into their fifth season, second year, commanded a 17.8% market share, then transfers up in competition and receives a higher market share, an 184 can I take back my lock it in? <laughs> sure. Okay. Great. All right. Clue number four. Last year, I was 88th in the nation in receiving yards with 785 and played with the Heisman Trophy winner. So hopefully we've narrowed it down to a team. Lock it in. Eric Froton's locked it in. Jacob, do you want to lock it in yet? No. All right, and then I'm going out on a guess here, but if I were traveling, I would want to visit the Taj Mahal or go up north and visit Washington. (laughs) I'm lost right now, okay? Okay. Memphis. That that is correct. He could want to visit there too. He may have already visited there. That's right. Hunk, hunk, burn, love, Elvis. All right, Jacob. I, I don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Is that your final answer? That's um. Yeah. All right, Eric. Just, you locked just it think in. Think about who was buried in Grant's tomb. It, it's that's literally what the last you know uh, hint was. But yeah, I, I got you. The only the only Grant I know is Luke's son. <laughs> no, he was uh. <laughs> Eric, who is it? It's Taj Washington. Taj Washington. He's either going to go to the Taj Mahal or he's going to go up north. Yeah, to Washington. Washington. He literally, it was, that's what I said. That's the Grant's tomb reference. It was. Uh, <laughs> probably should have got that. But So, like I said, I tried to make it. I didn't know until we, uh, it was USC. When you started talking market share. Right? Yeah, so, again, like I said, the first, you know, three, three, uh, clues i like to really dig deep on these guys but i just found it very interesting that um tosh washington was actually at memphis commanded a pretty decent market share there you know for the nfl debbie standpoint broke out in his uh sophomore year there then transfers up in competition and does even better in market share wise, it's not like the wide receiver room was that great when he transferred there in what was it 2021. Mm-hmm. So, but then once uh, Lincoln Riley comes there, he really does a good job 
I mean, other than like the CD Lamb years, he really does a good job of spreading the love out. Doesn't matter who his quarterback is. A lot of wide receivers, tight ends produce, and Taj Washington might be one of those sneaky guys that gets, I don't know, day three, day four, probably like around six ish, maybe around, uh, probably not around seven, probably six, five wide receiver there in the NFL draft but he's I think he's a sneaky sneaky guy to make you know probably like a wide receiver three on a team yeah it's interesting with him because you mentioned the um the CeeDee Lamb and Hollywood Brown era but even then the targets it weren't like it wasn't like they were getting 120 130 140 targets uh CeeDee Lamb had I want to say, you know, like 1,100, he had his big years. He only had 87, I want to say, targets in one year. And then I want to say maybe even less, like 85 the year after. He had two straight years of uh, like 1,100-plus yards and 10-plus touchdowns without getting 100 targets. That's ridiculous. And even then, so like it wasn't like they were they were still spreading the ball around. It's just CeeDee Lamb was so damn good. He just scored every time. So he still wasn't even getting peppered. He was just that great. And even Hollywood, like, I think he got 103 targets in his final season, which is, hey, he's getting he's getting the 100 mark. But it wasn't like he was, you know, up in the 140s, 150s, Rasheed Rice territory or anything. So uh, very, very talented and, and a great point. We'll see. We'll see. There's, there's Mario Williams is going to have an inside role. Um, we'll see what happens with Singer. He's an outside threat. Obviously, Brendan Rice is there. He's Jerry Rice's kid, comes over from Colorado, had a nice spring game, and he's big. So, you know, you can see him kind of have a little bit of a Drake London impact. There's a lot of bodies there at USC. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Taj Washington. I'll say that I've seen him drafted in my CFF drafts, like early 20s in terms of rounds, you know, late teens, early 20s. Uh, seeing all three of them, Rice – William uh, Washington and Williams go all right around the same spot within a, a few rounds of each other. So that's uh, Taj Washington. I, I was trying to look up who whose team Taj Washington is on. I think it actually is tweets, Jacob. So I think you were right. He's got he's got every senior receiver in a campus to Canton league you could dream of. So was that by design or is this like the restock? Because you guys have been in your league for three years, so. Was it, did he go real young then, or is it like he has a type in the supplemental drafts where instead of the freshman, he's going for guys who, you know, rise a little bit? I I just don't think he's a guy that has a strategy. I, I think he's <laughs> a- <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweet. Hey, this is, this is Jacob. He's like, hey, this guy, he scored pretty good last year, so I'm going to pick him up. So, so he's actually on uh, Chad's team. Oh. So Chad definitely doesn't have a, a strategy. Well, no his idea. Strategy, well, his strategy is more like he's looking for points on the college side, not necessarily like who's going to be going round one, two, or three. I mean, and Chad's draft strategy for the most part is very Raiders like. You know, who can I draft sooner than needs to go, and then is going to bust? Yeah, they fast right draft them. Raiders. How many how many first round picks am I going to be cutting? In like a year or two. Or trading. Yep. So, 
that's our game of our quick hitter. We're going to get into some NCAA news. We're going to try to get through our news pretty quick because we want to get to our interview here with Eric. But there's some stuff, especially this week. We had a light week last week. This week we actually had a lot of interesting fantasy football news and then even more so real football in my opinion. So Zachary Franklin transfers to Old Miss. Uh, I believe, Chad, he's on your team. But – any initial thoughts to Zachary Franklin going from UTSA to Old Miss? Jacob, I want to start with you. Initial thoughts is that wide receiver room is completely open right now. I really don't – there's not a ton of, like, competition in there right now. So I think, you know, I think we were all looking for Chris Marshall to be that guy, right, to kind of step in there. That's not going to happen. So now you have Zachary Franklin coming in who's obviously had a lot of production. UTSA, right? Yep. All right, we're back from a little technical difficulties on my part. If you've been a part of the podcast, you might have heard this part one or twice before. But, Jacob, do you want to give us uh, your final thoughts here on Zachary Franklin to Ole Miss? Yeah, I think I think Ole Miss needs something in that wide receiver room to be catching balls from you know Jackson Dart. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that Ole Miss is probably going to run the ball a lot again this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if Quinshawn Judkins, even though he's, you know, kind of the RB1 right now for college fantasy, it would not surprise me if he got even maybe 50 more carries than he did last year on his way to 1,500 yards. So, I mean, he could be in for another just massive year just from usage. Eric, what are your thoughts here on Zakari? Yeah, you're right. You know, he is lacking a little bit of pop. You know, I mean, t- they brought in Trey Harris from Louisiana Tech, who's excellent. Man, I, I wish he stayed wish he stayed in the bayou so we could have had a little fun uh, over in that air raid offense that's, that's being injected, you know, Sonny Cumbie style. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jordan Watkins doesn't do anything for me. He already came over there last year and failed to really make an impact. Uh, maybe, you know, you got Dayton Wade coming on over. Maybe he is one, you know, Braylon Brown, does he come up? Not exactly the star power of his Carrie Franklin, somebody who had a, you know, a thousand twelve season last year. And, uh, you know, I, I think that he's probably going to be the leader in targets. And I think you're probably going to see a lot of these two tight ends too. Like yeah. Caden Priest going, coming over from Memphis, Memphis, just a rich history of developing tight ends. I mean, it seems like every year they got a stud Dykes a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, Priestcorn and Trig, Trig has caught like five touchdowns in the last two spring games. I mean, at some point, right? He was hurt last year. Like, you gotta do it in the game at some point. Yeah, it's gonna happen. So, um, you know, that's I, I feel like, regardless of the talent, which there's guys that I like in here, you need an alpha dog, and uh, and they got one. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but like UTSA played Illinois, um, they played a couple other power five schools and he produces and he does well against power five schools um you could believe me or you can go look up whatever games utsa played power five but for the most part he did he did pretty well so i don't think he'll be like a, a thor uh sore thumb sticking out so i think i like i like him going there um but i just don't like fantasy production i don't think it's going to be that that great for zakari franklin should be okay though, because last year they had Mingo had like 800 yards, and who's the other guy who had like 900? I mean, they had yeah. two receivers that had decent amount of yardage. So if yeah, if, Malik Heath, the yeah. Um, so if, if those targets, 
if those targets kind of get funneled towards Zakari a little bit more, you could see him with 1,100 yards for sure. And yeah, Ontario Drummond had 1,100 the year before, but that was obviously under Levy and, um, you know, new, new OC coming in uh, for last season. But it's always the lane train. You know, it's always lane. They're running lane system. Next piece of NCAA news, uh, Day-Day Hunter is a free agent in our league. He transfers from Liberty, doesn't have a home yet, but turns out he thought he could just transfer, but he needs a waiver. There was an article written by On3. I didn't read all of it, but pretty much like he thought he could just leave and go somewhere else um, because of, a, I think, because of the head coaching change with Hugh Freeze going to Auburn, and I, apparently it's not so cut and dry, I guess. So he's waiting on a waiver to be able to transfer. Otherwise, I could see him maybe just going back to Liberty. I don't know exactly how the transfer portal paperwork works. If you go there and you don't rescind it by a certain date, if you're just stuck in limbo or what? I think we're still ironing out a lot of things about the, the transfer portal. I, I'm not sure. That, so worst case, he goes back. Best case, um, Auburn might be in need of a running back, and he would have a coach there who would at least know who he is if he happens – if he's in the good graces uh, with Hugh Freeze. That would be my – maybe a spot that he goes. But he would still that, need the waiver. He would still need the waiver. Yeah, still need the waiver. I mean, I, I liked him last year. He was good last year. Day-day. So, I mean, still, you never know with running backs. He could just as easily transfer down, you know, stick in the G5 and go to the CUSA to, to be a bell cow. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I need to see a landing spot first before I start getting excited. You know, like how well, – was Zakari Franklin was the top – at worst, a top 10 wide receiver coming pre-portal entry. At worst, he's probably 5'6". Yeah. You know, now 30s. 30, 30, yeah, yeah, 30s, 40s. Yeah. Uh, other piece of news, Devin Brown for Ohio State had a hand surgery uh, or surgery on his hand there in the spring. He started – Throwing should be good to go here for summer workouts. So that's good for me and my squad of Devin Brown and choosing him over Jewel R. So that was great. Feel great about that. Still feel great. I tell myself every time I look in my mirror, you pick the right guy. You pick the right guy. <laughs> Blake Corum, also a full go for the, the summer, uh, injured his knee there at the end of the year, but he's has been said that he's going to be a full go. So, again, good news for Blake Corum and tweet your team, hopefully going into this year. The bit of football news, real football news I want to talk about, happened today is Notre Dame's AD is going to be stepping down in 2024, which also happens to align with playoff expansion. The new AD is going to be, I'm going to butcher this name, Eric, are you aware of this? I heard that Swarbrick was uh, stepping down. I, I didn't see who Pete the name was. Bavakia? Pete Bavakwa. Oh, okay. Bavakwa. Oh, my gosh. He's taken over? He's taken over. An He's alum. Former, yeah, former uh, um, NBC head. Yeah, former NBC head, alum, Notre Dame alum, 
Um, so it has ties there to the university. I'm not sure if that means an old style thinking and like I'm thinking you go, you know, Eric, you're probably more more well versed to talk about Pete than I am. I know that he worked in the media. Yeah, and well, he was worked, in NBC for a very long time. And worked um, with TV yeah, deals and was, uh, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, very integral in getting the PGA TV deals. So Absolutely. more of the same. And the Big Ten, too. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, this is, uh, this is a big move. And keep in mind, NBC and Notre Dame are have a contract to you know, broadcast exclusively the Notre Dame games. Through 2024, that deal is coming up. So, Pete going there, that's a, you know, a little, I would think that that's a good sign for that being renewed and extended. I, I, that's, I don't see that being interfered with. Uh, that's great news from my point of view at NBC. That's awesome. And, you know, there's a lot of talk for years and years. The Big Ten wants Notre Dame. We're trying to convince Notre Dame, you need us so you can get that, you know, first round bye in the upcoming playoffs. But I feel like having a Notre Dame alum with the rich history of Notre Dame, we don't need anybody. We're going to be great. You got NBC ties. It just kind of makes sense that they're going to stay independent, do their thing, and – but then also try to better themselves to put them in a market, kind of like the Big 12 did with their commissioner and bring in a TV media deal guy to work all these TV deals to help them in the future. It seems like a really good forward thinking of Notre Dame. Sure. I mean, they're, they're, they're a standalone entity in themselves. So you have to think that way, you know, you're not negotiating with a conference. So I'll be interested before, you know, the big 10 makes their deal and then you're going to have the big 10 across, you know, different markets with different time zones. What happens to that prime? What is it? 2 PM Notre Dame kickoff in the central time zone. You know, and then they're moving to Peacock. And, you know how? Oh yeah, you got a couple of games on Peacock. People are all up in arms about that. Understandably, I yeah, I, I can't watch my Notre Dame people. football because I, I don't have Peacock. And so I'll be interested, but I think Notre Dame is yes. on the. I don't even want to say right or wrong path, but they're on a path. They feel like they have a plan, whether that's a good plan or a bad plan. I don't know, but they've got one. It seems like, and and it seems like it's it's going in the right direction. Indeed. Other than that, that's all of the – oh, one more, uh, more college piece of news. Netflix will be coming out with a series special called Swamp Kings highlighting oh. Florida Gators 20, uh, 2006 through 2009 teams. And, boy, do I want to watch every piece of film that comes out of this. And to think – some of it's going to get cut out, and it's probably gold. It's going to be I incredible. Only, I can only imagine, and I think it's such a great – hey, look, this is great for college football. Whatever we can do to get exposure for the sport, let's go play college fantasy football and C2C. Let's go, Swamp Kings. Don't you want to be – you want to have the Swamp Kings on your team? Like, don't you want to have that? I, I will say that uh, I had – 
Percy Harvin in college fantasy football from when he was a wee lad, just a true freshman for that team. I had him every year, all, all three of his years. He only lasted three years, Percy Harvin. But, uh, oh, my gosh, what it was like. At, like I, I went to Neyland Stadium in Tennessee to see uh, his last season. You know, his last season, Tebow's last season, he was a senior. Uh, and I got to watch Percy Harvin catch a touchdown in the corner end zone where I was standing. And it was a cathartic moment for a college fantasy football kid from Boston who lives in San Diego to go to Knoxville, Tennessee, and to watch Percy Harvin score a touchdown. My God, I can't wait to watch that. You know what? So many great memories. What they should do is then do a spinoff. Florida during that time point, you got Joe Kim Noah. You've got that Florida basketball yeah, team back to back championships right around that same time. Forward, yeah. That was probably a wild time. To be a oh my gosh. What a, I mean, as good a run as you could uh, you could ask for at any school at any time, really. I mean, there's always gonna be the Alabama dynasty now, but like where's the where's the basketball component? Yeah. You know, you get both. Yep. They they had a great time. I remember uh, going to the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 in 2007 in St. Louis to watch Joe Kim Noah and the Gators play. And it was uh, Oregon, Butler, and I don't even remember the other team. But it was – I remember it was Oregon and and uh, Florida and Al Horford was I'm in Boston, college. I'm a Boston kid. I'm a Celtics fan. So and that guy was huge. I'm like, this guy should be out on a football field. Like, this guy is massive. Anyways, enough college basketball talk on this fantasy football podcast. I don't know what we're doing. Jacob, what kind of NFL news do we have for us? The only thing to touch on is Dalvin Cook was released by the Vikings. Um, I think – I think once he finds his home and landing spot, that's when you're going to see like Kareem Hunt and Ezekiel Elliott kind of find their homes and everything's probably going to settle on the NFL side a little bit. So I, if I had to guess he wants to go to Miami, I mean, he's from there. So um, I think that'd be a good spot for him. Eric, any thoughts? Uh, I, in the program C2C league, which you are part of as well, Luke, uh, I, in my startup was last year. So pre 2022, I'm in season, the fourth iteration of it. And I took McBride in, I believe like the 13th round of that startup before last season. So I am thrilled about that. Uh, top 10 in terms of broken carries in terms of broke carry rate, um, obviously led the nation in rushing. Didn't get, didn't get the opportunity to catch passes. It just isn't what UNB did. But, man, kid's good. I know he's coming from the G5 and he's a fifth rounder. But those – look, you never know who it's going to be. And I know, you know, people are jumping on Madison. But don't sleep on Dwayne McBride because the guy is legit. If you watch a little bit of film on him and you take a – see what he is, you're going to see some impressive runs out of drill. I think you could take that job. So – Something about Dwayne McBride. Note that Madison has never been good once he's gotten on the field. He's been in the league for a while now. Kane and Wangwu, you can say whatever you want. He's very fast, very athletic, but he's he's a return man. He's he's not a running back. He barely carried the ball at Iowa State in college. 
So that to me, I, it's you got between, Chandler. You got Chandler from to me. It's between Chandler, Chandler and McBride right now for that running back room on who's going to carry the carry the ball. And from what I have heard, I've heard it from multiple different places and read it multiple different places. Is the Vikings wanted him? They didn't want to use their priority free agent signing on him, but he's a knucklehead. I've whatever I don't know if UAB and Tom Coughlin or not Tom Coughlin, uh, uh, what's the Steelers head coach name? Um, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin have something in common by like being able to just keep things internal. Um, he was a great running back. That's about all I know from from his time there at UAB. But apparently there were some knucklehead tendencies that came out. But my or but uh, Minnesota's like we don't want to use our our free agency pick on him. We want to grab him in the draft. So interesting. I, I wasn't aware. Oh, that's it's definitely good to know. And I do like Ty. It's not like I have anything against Ty Chandler. He actually was one of the fastest players in last year's draft uh, for, for the running back position. He ran a blistering 40, you know, and he, he's around that 210 pound mark where, you know, it's around the threshold you, you'd want to have to be able to take a pounding in the NFL. So um, definitely like, you know, Ty Chandler held down a job, the, the primary role at Tennessee uh, for two years, went over to UNC for a year and, had a thousand yards in a powerful offense. So, you know, he held up his end of the bargain in college. He's certainly projectable. And yeah, I mean, one of those two guys, imagine from a dynasty perspective, getting a, getting a couple of shares of them for a reasonable price. Not bad. Not a bad idea. Yep. That's it for NFL news. All right. So trade counter stays at 33. Nate. I know baseball season has started. You're busy coaching, but we need to know where your priorities lie. You've made no trades. You're the guy who gets all these trades started. So, like, I know you're an AD, and I know you also coach baseball. You don't have to worry. You can trade in the dugout. You're your own boss. You report to yourself. You don't have to worry about it. Just get some trades drummed up. Let's go, Nate. Next, let's get into our exclusive one-on-one interview with Eric Froton. So, Eric, we're going to get into it right now. (laughs) I know we're only, you know, I I can't do the minus of the math of the technical difficulties, but we're probably like runtime about half hour into it. Yeah, yeah, right. It feels... It feels a lot longer. We've been on the horn a little longer than that. Yeah, right. It's all good. Sorry. sorry. So first, so for for our our league, we're we're mostly we we know NFL stuff. We are starting to get into the college realm. Some of us are quicker than others. We've got still like some people named Dennis Grimm who who get a lot of Hawkeye players. So we're not. You know, we really want to educate these people, these types of people. I don't want to like narrow a it down. A lot of Hawkeye players, a lot. Oh like, yeah, somebody stockpiling Hawkeyes. No offense, guys. But... We, we don't get any any points for defense? kicking. No, you get there's no defenses. No defense. Because that's a that's you guys are great at that. <laughs> so one of them was named Spencer Petrus. 
Oh, the immortal Spencer Petrus. <laughs> hey, Spencer Petrus, I will not have his name besmirched uh, on any podcast I'm on. He made me a ton of money in props. <laughs> on, on the unders or overs? On the unders, on the unders. Oh, yeah. They had, <laughs> they're still thinking that, like, oh, we have we have somebody who's, like, a competent quarterback here. You know, that It's more 2021. Like, last year, they priced him down in, like, you know, the 160 range. So, it's like, uh, like he was actually, you know, they'd have him in in well in the two hundreds in twenty twenty one, and that's when he was splitting with Padilla a little bit, sort of towards the end of the season, and I legitimately made a mint off of the fact that just for whatever reason DraftKings didn't smarten up to the fact that uh, hey, Kirk Ferentz he gave his uh, his Tuesday little you know dog and pony show with the press, and he said that he's going to use two QBs, and. You still have them listed at 200 yards, so I literally I I put as much money as they would allow until they stopped. <laughs> well, that's, that's good to know. So we're we're here. We're trying well, to. I love Spencer Petrus. We're here to to educate people about more on college players. Just talk about the college side. We we talk about the NFL side. We know the NFL side. Well, we don't know it, but we know it better than the college side. So I want to get into a little bit of. Who Eric Frotona is? Oh, okay. I mean, Eric, like you've got opinions, but why should we care about him? Oh well, because in 2001, myself, nine other degenerates from Boston, Massachusetts, adjacent, you know, the Burbs, which is where I'm from, we uh, we got together over Labor Day weekend. Uh, at the time, it was a long time ago, so I kind of cajoled my parents to leave when I was in high school. Uh, to go down to our place in Rhode Island. And we, we had a keg, and we spray-painted NWO on <laughs> all of the rocks and, around, like, my wiffle ball field, because obviously I had a wiffle ball field at the house. And, uh, and we drafted our first-ever league. And I, with my first-ever selection, it was number six overall selection with the inaugural NCAAF draft. In 2001, I selected the Immortal... The immortal, where are you? I know you're over here. Here he is. Luke Staley, All-American running back for BYU. In fact, he ran a 4-4-40, was drafted in the seventh round by the Detroit Lions, and at 235 pounds dropped a 4-4, and he is, you know, Caucasian, which is literally, like, it's it's unheard of, so... Um, as a running back. So 235, he was going to be the next Mike Allstott. And we still haven't had the next Mike Allstott, but he had uh, terrible shoulder problems and uh, he couldn't take the hits anymore. He, he was, he gave it all he had for BYU and uh, he couldn't do it. And then is now a, a, a medical device sales rep. Yeah. Followed up with Luke. So well, that's, uh, that's how I started. So I'm an nope. OG. Well, that uh, sounds, if I were to use uh, these referencing uh, wrestling lingos, that sounds too sweet. Oh, give it up, my <laughs> brothers. Oh, you all know. You all get it. We're all children of the 90s. So that's how <laughs> it goes. I, mean, I can't help it. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, but in terms of what I've done a little more recently – uh, in 2018, I started writing for NBC Sports. Uh, I won the 
2020 FSWA, which is the governing body of fantasy adjacent stuff, was the College Sports Writer of the Year, won that award for the FSWA. In 2019, I really brought college football props to the forefront because essentially what I've been doing since 2001 is capping each year, going through this and doing this college fantasy football league and, and living it with my degenerate friends. And um, in the process, just having a, a, a way to go through it. <laughs> so I started joining expert leagues in 2019. I finished uh, first in the 50-team college football you know, championship that is done with all the sort of media people and such. So I had the number one in points scored, number one in ranking, uh, scored most points in the first round of the playoffs and then got absolutely destroyed in week two. But the point is I, I walked the walk, also did it in an industry IDP league, went to the finals in that in 2019. That was really my like first introduction to the space, which, you know, uh, was nice because I was writing columns, doing props. And then, as gambling has expanded over state lines, my ability to project uh, college football performance on a week-to-week basis, I'm considered number one, the best in the world. Uh, did 69% in my first year. Nice. 2021, I, I got 71% of my college football props plays were correct. And then last year, I, I dipped a little bit. I went down to 68%. Um, and... But still, this is every single week for 22 weeks, hosted a show on NBC Sports' 3 million subscriber YouTube channel every Saturday morning, hosted a live show where I took questions, went through my props. I was 18 and four in my best bets over those 22 weeks. And uh, am, uh, what else? What else? That's about it. Wrote, wrote 210 player profiles for NBC over the past two years. For the NFL draft, anything time you go to NBC Sports, NBC Sports Edge, they're all going to be the same thing. All of those player profiles for anybody who is in the NFL over the past three years, I've written every single one of those. So I probably spilled about 100,000 words of ink on the 2023, 2022, 2021 classes in just about every form. And I will be going to the Elite 11 finals in you know five days where I will be on the field covering that. Uh, the best QBs in the country. Uh, I saw all the guys who were freshmen this year, last year I was at the finals covering it. You can see a bunch of the stuff I put out and uh, I'll be doing it again this year. So be on the lookout where I'll be scouting Rayola. I'll be scouting Cam. I'll be going through Air Noland. I'll be going through uh, all the boys, all the boys and looking to uh, give you the best content I can. So in summation, yeah, uh, do all the college fantasy football leagues, do all that stuff. I'm as ingrained in the college fantasy football world, I think, as anybody that exists. Some of my colleagues are, are very, very good at what they do as well. I'm not going to say sit here and say I'm the best because I respect them too much, but uh, I'm definitely one of them. So you said that you got involved playing CFF with some of your bros right in, on NW oh, yeah. on Rocks. How did oh, you yeah. guys decide – this is something that we're going to do. How did, how did you even know it was a thing? How, like, how did you get oh, to that point? I, it wasn't a thing. <laughs> I didn't care. The only reason why I cared about college football is because I played Bill, uh, the Bill Walsh college football. Is that what it was at the time? It was Bill Walsh. And uh, I would play the college football game 
And 95, 94, 95, I'd use Bianca Matuka. I'd use Leland McElroy to Texas A&M. So that was really my only exposure to it, which was really in college and stuff, like when we play in those weird games. But uh, one of my best friends to this day was a linebacker at St. Francis Xavier College in Annie Ganish, Nova Scotia, Canada. It is a Division One college. Uh, that funnels right into the CFL. Many, many, many uh, St. FX grads have gone on to play in the CFL. So it's uh, it's high-level Canadian football. He was a guy from the Northeast that, you know, got recruited to go there and wanted to be in the kinesiology program, so he went. And then before he was leaving, it was, it was Labor Day weekend, and he was like, guys, we're doing this. So he was just home for the weekend. So we, uh, we all got together and did that. So he is now... Uh, defensive coordinator at the Division Three level uh, for Framingham State College, and uh, is you know might might end up going somewhere else where he does, but he's a he's a local college DC now, and all the guys that are involved are, are like call co- are college coaches or college adjacent you know high school coaches. They're all you know uh, pretty pretty involved, so it's it's always been so tough to compete in that league. Then when I came yeah. out and did these other ones, it was like, oh, you mean I get to pick up guys? Because, like, we don't even have pickups. We just have our rosters, and you have to plan everything out, and then you have to trade. It's tough. So having the uh, having the ability to, like, waiver wire, oh, it was, it was like a new world for me. I loved it. So how did you get to start writing or and working for NBC Sports? I befriended Thor Nystrom. Uh, because uh, I wrote my initial column was about Bryce Perkins and Drew Locke and my love for my binky boy Drew Locke because he threw 44 touchdowns at the time, an SEC record for Missouri. <laughs> How dare you not rank him higher than Bryce Perkins? So I, I love Drew Locke. And I wrote an article in defense of Drew Locke, uh, Missouri Drew Locke, not, not so much pros Drew Locke. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a big arm, but he doesn't know where it's going. But he was so great. That offense was awesome. Like, so much talent. You know, I, I love that team. So um, I wrote a, an article and just got to know Thor a little bit. And he's the one who kind of got me in a couple of the leagues, had a phone call, you know, got to know him and wrote some stuff just for a, a random website. It's called Dynasty Football Factory. I don't even think it exists anymore. But um, Kyle Francis, who's now one of my close friends in the biz, uh, read my stuff and said, all right, yeah, we want this guy to write for us. And I just wrote for free, did everything for free, start all 2018, just wrote a bunch of articles that very few people read and grinded it out. Um, but luckily I made the correct inroads. And the next year when NBC was hiring, they had a couple of their, there was two full-time and two part-time guys. And one of their part-time, both of them ended up kicking up to the NFL side because that's, that's the glory. Everybody wants to be in the NFL, guy. You understand, right? Yeah, there it's was the a glory. Yeah, there the was NFL. a recent. There was a recent NBC hire that was kind of a a big name that went to NBC. I just can't put my name. I can't put my <laughs> finger on who yeah, it was. Also, yeah, he's a little bit NFL fantasy. Might might have had a presence every Sunday night on on our televisions. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh. Yeah, they, they were kicking up to the pros, and that left openings literally one week before the season started for just a part-timer to, to crank out what's called player profile blurb shifts, which is the chronicle from a you know draft slash college 
adjacent perspective. I get assigned six, seven games. I have to do six or six players per game. So I'm running like 40 player profiles per covering each game, watching each game as much as I can, reading up on it and, and funneling that through a player profile lens um, and doing all that stuff. So I, I was hired to do that in 2019 and just really do you, do you just do that work my way up from there. Do you do that remotely or do you like go into the studio to do yeah. that? Yeah, remotely. But this year, because we just picked up the Big Ten to be broadcast on, you know, um, on Saturday nights, uh, 8 p.m. game, we're going to be doing for a Big Ten. So I am going to be in the Northeast for this season so I can be closer to Stanford, Connecticut, which is going to be the headquarters so I can have a little influence on the product. And hopefully, hopefully, guys. Get a little more C2C and college fantasy influence and potentially, you know, get a little something like that on the ticker on the bottom line. A little something, you know, if I have to go there and if I have to advance the agenda of college football and C2C on the network level by sitting in the control room and putting a headset on and <laughs> fucking typing out, here, show me how to do the ticker. All right. All right. Cool. I'm doing the ticker. <laughs> I, I got it. I'll handle, I'll handle the college fantasy part of the ticker. You just, you sit there and do your thing. You just do what I type. All right. Do it. I just, I just can't wait to watch the Hawkeyes in the Rose Bowl. That's all I can. I don't care if it's the actual Rose Bowl. Like just play there. Uh, I will say it's better to watch them at the Rose Bowl than to actually attend the game at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it is. Since since Jack Murphy Stadium, aka Qualcomm, got demolished here in San Diego, it's the most decrepit stadium ever seen. The thing was built in the twenties, and it hasn't been updated since then at all. At all. I uh... falling apart. It's falling apart. I can't believe it's it's like permanent. That's how bad the Rose Bowl is. I was wow. just there for NFL PA Bowl. I, it shocked me. So, yeah. Good, J- good. Jacob, do you remember, like, I just think of, like, Iowa playing the Pac-10 at that point. I think it was. But Iowa playing USC in the Orange Bowl. We oh, take, yeah. We take the – was it? We, we scored on the opening drive or we took the opening kickoff for a touchdown and then, like, didn't score again after that. Like, USC yeah. just crushed Iowa. <laughs> I very much enjoyed that. <laughs> that was a rough one. That was it. Was like forty something to seven. It was it was bad. But it was almost like the Bears, Bears Colts Super Bowl. You got the Devin Hester return punt or return kickoff, and then just kind of really yeah. didn't do anything after that. That was it. That was it. And the uh, the nineties version was the Chargers Forty um, uh, ers Super Bowl in ninety four with Dion, Steve Young, like the 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 non Montana Super Bowl they put they cashed in. That was they, – they went down and scored the first time, and then it was all 49ers. Well, <clears throat> my next question for you here, Eric, is how how have you seen CFF grow over the years? And, we'll yeah, oh. let's, let's, start, let's start there. Well, so this is year 23. So, my God – when I started, guys, I was doing it by hand. Literally doing it by hand, our scores each week. So it was 
as basic as it gets. And we got to do that. That wasn't just for a year. Like that was for a few years. We're going to do it by hand until like TQ stats, not TQ stats. It was it uh U sports came along U sports. And, uh, and we did that. And until then CBS came around for a bit, like there's the CBS era from 09 through like 12, 13. And then it was back to like, ugh, it was, it was even pre fan tracks at that point. Where I think we went back to U Sports for a couple of years, like the Dark Ages, and thank God Fantrax came around. So, <clears throat> first off, just 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 having a place to do it, thrilled, thrilled, and it's pretty good. They just made good updates. So props to Fantrax. Two in terms of growing, just since I nobody, I went for my entire for twenty three years. I would tell people I do college fantasy football because, frankly, like I I've been turning my nose up at the NFL for for two decades. Because it's just better. College fantasy football is just better. Okay, it's all day, every Saturday. You get, you get the in comes the Mac during Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It, it becomes a, a five day affair, you know. During once the clock hits November or like late October, it's unreal. Like the action you get for the investment that you put in is amazing. And plus, like you think there's no edges when it comes to you know playing any of the pros or anything with the NFL. The edges you get in college on the props and the amount of money, like it's, like you don't even have to have any startup capital to win at this. You just go and and you just know the depth charts and make sure that you pay attention, and you you can you can make hay here, and it's a beautiful thing. But it's wall to wall action all day, every Saturday, in a way that just the NFL can't do. You know, they just can't do it. You have one game on Sunday night. We have two full conferences, the Mountain West and the Pac-12 after dark. And then you got Hawaii. In case you want to really chase it, chase the yeah. dragon, you got Hawaii. So so you talked yeah. about fan tracks. We are in year three. We have only ever played on fan tracks. And then when you look across the spectrum of people who play C2C leagues, CFF leagues, whatever, people use fan tracks. And there is a pretty – I don't even want to say split – thought on fan tracks a lot of people are pretty negative towards yeah. fan tracks i feel I like in some cases especially from, pandemic it was hell and you come from a different perspective of doing it by hand yeah. and now you have a place so like i don't care how bad they are i don't have to do this by hand what yeah, are you, exactly like what are you what are your thoughts what like we even have people in the league, like oh, I wish fan tracks would do this or this or this. Give us your perspective on how great fan tracks really is. Look, I, I've definitely had my gripes, and you know, obviously there are nits to pick, and nothing's perfect or anything. But I feel like they do a pretty good job trying to listen to the people who are at least in the space who are saying, "Hey, you know, maybe, can we fix this? Can we fix this?" They're pretty responsive, man. I, I really don't have a beef with them. Um, they've, they put out a great product. I looked into just cursory of like, how would you even go about doing this and collating this data? <clears throat> and you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, perhaps in the millions to start a platform like that and do something to the level that they have for college. Like you can't, and it's, they're doing it and they're a Canadian company. So all the laws we have here. They don't care. They're Canada. 
So as, as South Park would once sang, it's relevant today as it was then, blame Canada. <laughs> so you you said you wanted you like you know you got nitpick on a couple things. And you are a prominent voice in this space, I I believe. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on and I, I don't know if you have any. You might not have any thoughts on this. Gadsden being tight end eligible. <laughs> Are you baiting me now? I know you're joking about me having thoughts. Young yeah, I, I don't. I just. Tweet, right? I don't know. I was. I just don't know if you have any thoughts about Gadsden being tight end eligible. Do you? Do you have feelings about this? <laughs> we're, we're. I mean, we're very. Oh, excited. it's not just Gadsden. It's not just Gadsden, my friend. It's the whole genre of tight ends which i uh, i put out a little video on the twitter last week i have a specific name for these tight ends like gadsden like dalvin smith for um western kentucky for western kentucky they're tito's tito's what is a tito a tito is a tight end in title only and those two guys, Gadsden, 10.2% of his overall offensive snaps. With Dalvin Smith, it's only 4% of his total offensive snaps. How can you have somebody who is ostensibly, he's a wide receiver, 10% of his snaps are coming in tight end, and we're going to give him tight end status? There's only, I mean, that's 10% of his snaps. If you go to his routes, it's like 2% of his routes. So they're just going in there and lining them up tight in an H-back some of the time and run sets. I mean, it is a it's a disgusting bastardization <laughs> of the tight end position and everything it's supposed to mean, all right? Because in my home league, we didn't play these stupid Tito games, all right? <laughs> we just had tight ends and wide receivers are all the same, okay? Because we don't want to play these games. So you want to play it? Play it. The only time that came into play was Jalen Samuels for NC State back in 06 and 16 and 17 because he was a goddamn goal line back. Like he was, he scored like 12 rushing touchdowns that year, but he was a tight end. So you had to consider him a wide receiver. It had to happen. Like you couldn't get around it. Jalen Samuels, was a, he was a cheat code in college fans. But that's the thing, it's a cheat code. You know what I don't believe in? <laughs> cheat codes. I believe you got to beat me fair and square. <laughs> No, with your stupid Aronde Gadsden little gimmick. So it's like it's like back to wrestling. It's wrestling. It's like when the, the you know you go and you, you the ref gets knocked out and the bad guy comes in with the foreign object <laughs> and hits the good guy and then the the ref you wake up you shake the ref and you wake up like oh what's going on oh yeah okay yeah fine Gadsden Dalvin Smith Jalen Samuels and and then it's over. So, I guess from a wrestling perspective, is what Fantrax doing by having these players listed as tight ends screwing us or helping us? And is this like, is this, I guess, what would be known as the, was it the Montreal screw job? Screw job? Montreal screw job. That's correct. For all those people who are not, you know, professional wrestling fans, this is. 
the 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 moment in WWF before it was WWE when Vince McMahon takes away Bret Hart's WWF championship, gives it to Shawn Michaels, and pretty much you know kicks Bret Hart to the side. Then later on, he goes to WCW. Jacob, I know you're you're a big wrestling fan, but more of the different the Greek Roman wrestling type. Uh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit more there. The, but the different one. I did, I did used to watch WWF. I went to uh, a show at Hilton Coliseum actually in Ames nice. Island. Nice, it was very good, very good. There was Hilton Magic there. There was, and there was also Kane and the Undertaker, and it was. <laughs> oh damn! So, so, so I get. So, is, are are we getting a? Uh, Montreal screw job is that what's happening or or what what exactly is happening should we be happy about this or should yeah. we be upset oh no no nobody no anybody who's happy about this maybe maybe some of my colleagues in this college fantasy world like maybe Andrew Katz he seems like a guy to be happy about that he's a nefarious you know guy there in the the excellent burning the red shirt podcast that I love him and him and uh, Chris K, they do a great job over there, and my friends. But he's a nefarious character, that Andrew K. Uh, I, I, excuse me, Andrew Katz. So, but um, other than that, um, I, I would think that chivalry is not dead. I would hope, but the Montreal Screwjob—it's not the—it's a great analogy, and I understand where you're going. But like the analogy, a better analogy, in my humble opinion just a little more fitting the circumstance from a wrestling parlance would be a dusty finish. Okay. Are you aware what a dusty finish is, gentlemen? I am not. I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. dusty roads. It is dusty roads. It was back when dusty was booking. It was booking NWA. He was booking, uh, booking the territories, booking Florida. Right. And he was, uh, cause that's who was running the show when flair and dusty were doing their thing. He was, he was the booker flair was out there partying and dusty was, uh, was right in the show. So, um, yeah, it would be a particular finish that dusty would use where they would have, uh, a heel tag team, the bad guys say the midnight express in honor of the great Jim Cornette. And uh, they go to a town. They have the belts and what have you. And uh, you go and there is a finish where the good guys win. And the, the crowd is happy. Oh, my gosh. We just saw a title change in our little town at, Hil at the Hilton, as you said, in Iowa. You know, it's, it's a big event. You, we just, you just saw the Midnight's drop the title at Hilton. That's a big deal. Only to go and watch, you know, TV the next week, and you're saying, "Oh, I, I can't wait to see the Fantastics or whoever it is who just won the belts." And then you watch, and they go on and they explain that, "Oh, there was a uh, a foot on the rope or something happened <coughs> where we had to forfeit that win and the titles are still uh, technicalities." On the yes, uh. yes, technicalities. So. That sends the fans home happy, but it ends up killing the town because then they're like, fuck, I'm not going next time to watch this show where they lied to me and they told me that I saw a title change and I'd see a title change. And I feel like an idiot. I told my friends I saw a title change. And that's called a dusty finish. And that's what I feel like we got here. Because you draft your team. You go and you're sitting and you're, you're analyzing it and you've got your six quarterbacks and I've got like ten running backs and like ten wideouts and like four tight ends 
and I'm all balanced. I'm ready to go. And then, you know, you sit and you wait on, and then the season starts, and oh my God, what is this? <coughs> Who's this random wide receiver that's getting tight end points? Dusty Fender. So whoever, somebody's going to draft him in the top. I feel very confident someone's drafting him in the first three rounds of our supplemental. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. I mean, I liked him at wide receiver. And then now <laughs> putting him at tight end might have to pull the trigger. The Dusty I'm, Finisher I'm, is what his nickname will be. I'm a nefarious guy. Dusty Finisher, I love it. That I that will it. be our Eric Froton uh Tito, the Dusty Finisher. Tito, Tito. <laughs> Whichever one, Tito, Dusty Finisher, whatever it is, you can pick that one. Right, exactly, whatever pilots. So, Eric, we talked about a little bit on, you know, how you've seen college f- football um, evolve over the years. What, how big do you think this NCAA video game is going to be on CFF, C2C, Whatever it is, how big is fantasy football from a college standpoint going to be impacted? I think that cannot be understated from a a cultural point of view. I'm extremely excited about it. Very, very, very excited about it, obviously. I'm not even like a big video game guy, but I want in. I don't care. I want to be involved. I, 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 I want in. I'm so excited about it. Additionally, I do feel like a tipping point is coming where more revenue you're going to squeeze out of the NFL here. How, how, what is the growth model of it? And it shows, you know, I was at the FSGA conference, uh, the winter conference this year, and they had a whole bunch of those stats. And it shows like the, the NFL, like it's losing market share. It's we we've hit like the terminal velocity, I think, at that point. But we're still at a, at a real growth mode of college. And when you get two things, one, I think, video games huge. Two, uh, the twelve team playoff coming in twenty twenty four. Big deal. The super conferences, more big games in conference play with the Big Ten and with um, you know the SEC. Having those 12 playoff games, because the Bulls hadn't even really mattered for a while. Now you have all those bowl games. It's just going to ratchet up interest so much higher. Where I think you're going to see one of the networks. And if it has, if I have anything to do with it, it's going to be NBC. But I think you see a network latch on to it and really embrace it. And it could be CBS. CBS is real aggressive, and they're they're great with their college football stuff. Two forty seven, Josh Paid, you know, on three uh, the the pod with uh, Bud Elliott's incredible, and all those guys. Um, I forget was the the on three pod. No, it's not on three. I cover three. The cover three. Yeah, it's the three. Those guys are great. You know, so um, they're real heavy duty on that stuff, and. I just hope that NBC can see the value in it, just like they saw the value in in Matthew Barry uh, from a pro side of fantasy. So that's um, I do think that in the next few years, with you know, maybe not this year, I, I do see an upswing without a doubt. But I think 2024, 2025 is where you really that difference. You see the difference where the the video games had some chance to catch on. 
you get the the 2024 playoff, I think you we're really building to a big 2024. Have you well, ever? Go ahead, Jacob. Well, it just also brings everything together because right now college football is very regional, right? Before absolutely. Before, because before we started this league, I watched Iowa State, and then I watched the Hawkeyes to root against them. Well, now I'm watching Hawaii. I'm watching the MAC. I'm watching all these other schools. If you can just get, you know, up-and-coming fans in front of, like, a game, they get familiar with these schools. They get familiar with some of the names. That's how you kind of – that's what the NFL has going for it is everybody watches the entire country of NFL teams. And so that's yeah. – like that's how you scale it, really. My my thought is I remember like and I have these just vivid memories of these West Coast games. Cause one, I don't know who to start or who to sit because uh-huh, hey, I heard yeah. somebody's hurt. I heard somebody's hurt. Oh, we've all been burned. Um and my my game that I remember last year is like, okay, thank I don't have anybody in Hawaii. I'm not going up against anybody in Hawaii, so I don't have to stay up a little bit later. And I had uh, Jalen McMillan, so I'm I'm watching the Washington Huskies, and there is like an hour delay because there's a drone <laughs> flying over the field or something. I remember that game. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is happening? Like, nobody's in the stands. Like, there's some red flashing light. People are upset about this drone. There's like a 45-minute delay. I don't know what it was, but I was just like, I remember Silly little things like that from playing in this league. Had I not played in this league, I would never have even known about it. No one really talked about it on ESPN. No one, no one cared. No, no. so many plays, especially like the, the Mountain West stuff, where you just dip in for a little Boise State or Fresno State Jake Hayner action, you know, and uh, and you get to see some of those plays where if somebody doesn't go and watch those in the moment, you're never going to see it happen. You know, it's never going to be put out there. So. It's great. It's the best. You have so much choice. All right, Eric. A lot of college football is predicated on an old coach stuck in their ways. This is my system. I'm going to bring in guys to run what I do. We've got systems, 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 at least in my opinion. What is one coaching change this year that's going to raise some CFF assets? In your opinion, I'll give you one OC and one head coach. Okay. The offensive coordinator, I'm excited about Shannon Brooks going to Miami from Houston under the, the Dana Holgerson tree and, and branching out because that whole Miami Gaddis and Crystal Ball stew that they had last year was like a noticeable, noticeable drop in production. From Rhett Lashley the year before, I thought like Tyler Van Dyke got hurt. Um, they didn't really have much on the outside. It was just kind of a lost season. It was it was a disaster year one, but at least they made the choice to do something about it. Like, all right, Gaddis, you're out. Let's bring somebody with more spread principles and just kind of have a little more pep and a little more you know punch to their offense. And I think like, that's exactly what Miami needed. I'm a big Tyler Van Dyke fan. I think he's going to be awesome. I don't know who has him in your C2C league, but like, dude, I'm, Sweet. I Sweet. think he can go. I think he can go. I think it's, he's, he's, he's a forgotten man and nobody's even talking about. I'm seeing all these top tens. Like Van Dyke isn't even in there. 
It's like they forgot about him. Watch Van Dyke. Just like toss on YouTube and do one of his, uh, you know, like his quick game cuts that they have all over the place. He's got a cannon. He's not mobile. I get it. Like he, he doesn't have the quickness that you want. He's, he's not like, that's not his deal. But man, he tests windows across the middle. He's got a big arm. And if Will Levis is going top of the second round, I can see a world where freaking Tyler Van Dyke's arm excites people enough to at least be like a second round, early third round type guy, you know? I think he could be in that that hooker Levis category. I think he can get there this year with the right coaching and you got Brooks there. So this I like is, him. This is classic just snake bit twenty twenty two. Well, it's, it's, I feel like he was all on those lists la- like last year. Everybody last, get on this. Just last year, he's projected as a first rounder, and then it's like one bad season, and then like he just but forgot it, how to play football. Apparently, and, it, and it's true. people, and it's people that like you, like you. People saw this coming. Gaddis comes in. They come. come, yeah, come I really in. did. Like people saw it coming, and then when it happened, people were like, "Oh my god!" Like you know, he's not what we thought he was. Just proving the point that, like, you got these kids, they're not going to just say no to their coach. Otherwise, they're getting sat, you know? Yeah. And that's honestly, like, not just how sports work. Coaches say stuff, you do it. Like, that's what it is. There's not a lot of, like, give and take. It's like, okay, this is what – system, system, systems. Gas comes in. We knew it wasn't going to be good. And guess what? It wasn't good. And people are shocked. So I, I like that call there, Eric. Thanks, brother. I hope I hope wh- whoever in your league has Van Dyke, I would say, you know, don't don't you trade him. You hold on to him like a like a nice deck bargaining chip that I think he can be. Good, good on you, sir. Okay. So I like him. And then one one that uh, I think decreases it. This is kind of dovetails with the the same guy, another head coach that I like. So I'll kind of answer both of them at once. Um, a head coach change that raises assets, obviously Brom. The Brom boys going, uh, returning home, the prodigal sons to Louisville, uh, leaving Purdue. And then by the same extension, you know, you got Purdue having a defense first head coach coming in. Kevin Walters who was phenomenal, phenomenal at Illinois. Illinois. Developing talent and scheming. Like he was an absolute home run. Like I'm not saying it's a bad hire for this program at all i got a lot of respect for walters um but you're bringing in graham harrell coming off of trust me i was on a a west virginia podcast last this week they're not too pleased with what they uh they got production wise out of uh you know mr harrell over there at west virginia and he's going from you know gets up to usc leaves goes to you know, West Virginia doesn't do great, still gets another power five gig at Purdue and they're rebuilding, you know, sort of restocking the cupboard as Aiden O'Connell, uh, you know, Bell's gone. And obviously uh, last year's leader there too, uh, Chuck Sizzle. So like good luck to Purdue. So I would say those are the two situations. And, uh, and on the same line, uh, another QB, those QB I like, there's, there's Van Dyke and there's, Jack Plummer. Ooh, go, we're going down the board when it comes to, to deep shots here. Is Jack Plummer available in, in your league? Is he, he there? He, he is available. And and Jacob, 
We did some hot takes last week. Do you remember my hot take last week? I believe it had to do with Jack Plummer. Oh, my man! Well, I believe I said Jack Plummer would be QB Ooh. 15 to 20, I believe is what I said. Or it was like in, in the 12, 12 to 15, something like that. I was... I am high on I am high on this offense. System, system, systems. What I like about Jeff Brom is over his last eight seasons, I I threw out 2020 because the Big Ten had a weird weird season there. QB's average, his QB one averages four thousand one hundred and thirteen yards passing, thirty-four touchdowns, eleven INTs. In most fantasy leagues, that's good for 28 to 31 points per game each week. That's great. That's great. So sign oh, me yeah, up. Absolutely. Top five in pass attempts each of the past three years. Um, top 20 in pace of play. Uh, what do you What do you want? Two, two, his last two QBs. Who was his last two QBs? Right. We obviously know AOC, Aiden O'Connell, fourth-round pick. Hey, fine, fine. I'll, t- I'll take a fourth-round pick. Dice roll at the at the price you're getting Jack Plummer at right now. Yeah, give him to me. And then David Blau. Like, two guys who were NFL QBs. Yeah, is David Blau the greatest thing in the world? No, but you turn some, turn some starts out, and he's, he's good enough. He is well – both of those guys, the point is, well-coached enough that despite fairly limited arms and, and Blau, Blau, very limited arm, uh, AOC walk-on, to be able to go and mold those two guys that are his starters into NFL quarterbacks, and you got Plummer, who was right there with AOC for for a couple of years, just got beat out. Like, it was close. Transfers for a year. Gets tutored by Bill Musgrave over at uh, Cal, obviously a longtime NFL coach. Then comes right back to Brom. He already knows what he's doing. He's fitting right into the system. Got to light it up. In the soft ACC, Jamari Thrash coming in, Kevin Coleman coming in. You fucking bloodbath. Oops, sorry. I didn't mean to spell. You're fine. You're fine. I'm, exci- I'm excited about it. But then, uh, yeah, on the other side, poor Purdue. I, I, I... So so let's, let's take a step forward. You got NIL. You got people coming in. Who is Louis Vuture? We've got... Um, nobody yet because freshman supplementals have not started. Um, I'm trying to think of the the freshman they brought in, or or bringing in. Who who's that? Uh, Clark's Pierce Clark Pierce yeah, Clarkson. Clarkson. Yes. yes. And then so, you've got yeah. Brady Allen, who's owned by yep. uh, Corey in our league. Should Corey Former be? Purdue should could recruit? Why not? Right, right. So you got Brady Allen coming over to Louisville from Purdue, who's recruited by Jeff Brom. You've got Pierce Clarkson, not recruited by Jeff Brom, but stills coming there anyways. Should Corey be worried about Brady Allen, or should somebody be steer clear of Pierce Clarkson in our supplemental draft? I, I like Brady Allen. Um, I do have him in a couple of leagues. I saw Clarkson throw at the Elite 11, and he wasn't bad. He's pretty good. Um, he has to be paid attention to. But does he exactly fit the Brom QB, you know? 
is that his mold, like the the athlete, you know, athletic type? Because you know, I I, I I don't mind Pierce Clarkson, but I don't know if that's what they're looking for. If that's you know, Brown's thing, maybe he is. God, if he, I'll I'll say this, like the other two guys have just been statues that he's had. It, it's literally it's Blau and it's AOC statues. Like, does, does, if, if we were to break the mold and have a guy like Clarkson, who is a high-level QB, if you can have him run in the system and get acclimated and get comfortable, I think it'll be, you know, it might take a couple of years, but my God, what would that look like? A mobile QB in that system, being able to break pocket and, and be dangerous? We could see We could see damage done by Pierce Clarkson if he does get that job. Like, is he perfect suited? Probably not. I'd probably give the edge to Allen. But, ooh, the upside of Clarkson. Really so, now I'm, just down, now I'm just down a systems rabbit hole. Okay, you've got Louisville head coach, Satterfield. He goes over to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. you got Pierce Clarkson. I find it weird. I don't know enough about college football coaches and, and how that stuff works. But, you know, you think you've got players that come for visits – they fall in love with campus, academics, schools, weight rooms, whatever it happens to be, coaches. Is it weird that Pierce Clarkson didn't switch over to Cincinnati at all? Like, I mean, in general, I don't think a lot of people do that, but you've got Caleb Williams that goes over to USC. You've got you've got plenty of um, experiments where this works. Uh, you got Brady Allen going over to to Louisville. I don't know. Is it worth to know? I guess. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Because you, you got Emory Jones. Emory Jones there for yeah, one, one year. One and done for Emory. You got and it's like you've got a freshman you have, there that's Drogosh or Drogish or Brady Drogosh. Uh, I watched him throw at the Elite Eleven Finals last year too. Uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't wowed by Drogosh. Uh, I. I definitely, I mean, I, I like Clarkson more than him, but hey, here we are. <laughs> maybe it's maybe he obviously fell in love with the school. And when he said, hey, okay, Jeff Brom's coming here, he's put two guys in the league. Maybe this is a good opportunity. Brom must have said the right things. The kid's like, yeah, screw it. I'll stick around here. Why All not? right. Well, let's get into a, a little bit of real football talk. Let's talk about who are your playoff teams this year and your national champion, and then we'll get into your Heisman here in a bit. Well, I like uh, I look at this from the odds perspective and okay. gambling point of view. Uh, in terms of my my favorite values on the board that I like, I like um, I like Penn State at. 25 to 1. Okay. To win it. I like Penn State. I feel like it's 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 a reset year for Ohio State when it comes to the QB position. Obviously, as you know, when it comes to that. Um Penn State has been, I mean, look at the class they brought in last year. You got Fashanu back. Kalen King is there uh on the outside. Like, I just think this year. Maybe it is an hour's year this year. Maybe he needs a year to kind of 
start and, and have that actual game experience as opposed to just kind of mop-up duty, I think one of these next few years, this could, this is going to be Penn State's time. I, 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 I like Aller. I have I took him in the third round last year in our startup C2C league. End of the third round, I, uh, I took Drew Aller and – I'm pretty pleased with the decision. We'll put it that way. I took I took Marvin Harrison in the second round. So um, is he any good? You think he's he's okay? I think he's all right. I think I'm I'm comfortable with that choice. We'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. I was hoping I'd get Ibuka on the way back too. Ibuka is my favorite favorite wide receiver. I had him. Nobody in the world had more Emeka Ibuka shares last year than I did between all the CFF and C2C leagues and my dynasties and my everything. I got I got him everywhere. I told everybody about it because you have to respect in college fantasy. I know you guys are C2C. You got to respect that number three wide receiver in the ultra powerful P5 offenses. They're usually very talented receivers. If somebody goes down or even just the opportunity presents itself in any way, they take over. Devontae Smith in 2020, prime example. Jackson Smith and Jigba, prime example in 2021. Happens every single year. One of those wide receiver threes ends up becoming a wide receiver two in a big offense or a wide receiver one, and you have to take those guys. So, I don't know. Is that is that this year? Is that uh, was it Xavier? Is it Henderson? Who's the Xavier Johnson at Ohio State? Who's well? There's dude. There's a whole class oh, of Fleming, Caleb Brown. Yeah, no Brown. Noah Brown. Excuse me. Um, Rogers. Yeah, excuse me, Noah Rogers. God, all the there's three Noahs, and I, I mix them all up, of course. But um, I, uh, in terms of the more immediate guys, like I'm a Jalen, I'm a Jaden Ballard guy. Jalen Ballard, okay. I think Jaden Ballard, he's fast. I know that. Like he is fast. He's probably like in the he's in the four threes, and he lights up practice. He's just he's behind. He's behind a couple of great players. You know, what are you, you, you going to do? You know, hopefully he can squeeze his way in there. And and I know Fleming. They always talk to us about Julian Fleming every year. But oh, is, is this year's best wide receiver? Is it Jalen Polk, the the Washington wide receiver three? Ooh, I like Jalen Polk. Like is is that the best? I'm just trying like I'm going through things in my head. Is that the best under or like guy that's not talked about that sh- could go into that role like you're talking about? I'll tell you, he's the guy I have the most shares of of all the threes. I'd say Taylor Marin, Wake Forest is in that conversation. Uh since it'll be Banks, Banks. Green. You know, tossing Taylor Marin, he, he deserves to be recognized. Absolutely. I have a problem with that. Um, Washington State, you could see one of the guys who are perceived number twos or threes do something you know, out of that room. Um, I like Josh Kelly, who transferred there from Fresno State. I like Kyle Williams, who transferred there from uh, UNLV. They have Ben Arbuckle, who's the offensive coordinator for Western Kentucky. He's from the Zach, he's from the, uh, Zach Kitley tree from Sam Houston State. Bailey Zappi, six thousand yards. Ben Arbuckle is his apprentice, so I think that could be uh, that could be extremely profitable as well. And depending on where you see the Texas receivers drafted, if if Adonai Mitchell is going off as a wide receiver three, like you got to grab him. 
Another guy we talked about Washington State that I want to talk about just quickly. I don't have a lot of things to back up other than some things I've dug up. And again, I'm I'm trying to help the league out. Probably honestly, I don't know if you would grab him or not. Freshman Carlos Hernandez. It sounds like he's gonna work himself into that rotation as a freshman. So a name a name to just have on your radar if you don't have it, have it on there. Nice spot to be in. So Jalen Polk, another name, probably a more prominent name if you guys are not aware of Jalen Polk. Wide receiver three there in Washington. Yeah, DeBoer comes over there from Fresno State, comes over there, probably going to be a lot of the same offense that he did with uh, Jay Kaner. Uh, something, if you guys weren't paying attention, was Jay Kaner was at Washington, goes to Fresno State, then DeBoer goes over to Washington. Jay Kaner tries to transfer to Washington. Not sure exactly what happens, but he's not able to transfer over. Um, and then you got Michael Penix comes in, who I believe Pen- or Penix and DeBoer worked with at Indiana. Two other spots to look at for wide receiver threes, Tennessee, without a doubt. Who's it going to be out of Brew McCoy or Dante Thornton? Both of them are being drafted very close to each other in the college fantasy drafts I've seen. Uh, Also, as we talked about, USC, Taj Washington, Mm -hmm. Mario Williams, Brendan Rice. One of those guys. I mean, very easily could end up popping – outside of Dorian Singer. So that's a few guys, the threes and fours. So a um, couple other options. So, so you gave your, was it the national champion you, you had as Penn state? Uh, I like, that's my favorite dark horse. Okay. Uh, Are you worried at all about their wide receiver core? Uh, yeah. I mean, I do. I like Cephas. Um, I, from what I've watched, I've watched the Utah game and I felt pretty good about what I saw from Lambert Smith. I think he could, he could end up, you know, being a, a decent number two compliment, but you're right. It's, it's a matter of can Mike Yersich, the, I mean, well-regarded offensive coordinator was at Oklahoma state for years, you know, like had several outside receivers who dominated uh, can he bring it together? You know, is kind of what I'm wondering. Is is he going to be able to really bring the passing game to a level that can compete um, when you know you're going to be able to run the ball? You're going to have Katron Allen, you got Nick Singleton, you got Fashanu. You have an excellent line for the first time, like in a while. You're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage in most cases. Can they take those shots? Can they get the receiver play? Yeah, that's absolutely. That's the one question I think I really have about him. That ends, you know, LR year one, but I, I feel pretty good about it. I do wonder if they can get like an Omari Evans to kind of stretch the field and be like a deep threat for him. Ooh, that dude nice. can fly. So if that opens up the run game, then it's gonna they're gonna be tough to deal with. So who else do you got there in your playoffs? You got you know Penn State. Love Penn State. Um let's say we get over this. Uh, I'd love to see at 14 to 1. I think USC is a good play since the Pac 12. I mean, I know it's it's kind of a tough schedule. I'd like to see a Pac 12 team in there. Does it go through Utah? Does the Pac 12 go through Utah? Well, my cousin Cole Bishop is uh, starting safety for Utah. 
So I, I by law say yes, they're a great play at 70 to one. Absolutely as well. Um, you know, veteran obviously with Cam Rising. It's just man, this I, I like all of the four top teams there, like Washington, um, Oregon, USC, and uh, Utah. I feel like one of those, hopefully one of those emerges because then an undefeated one of them will get, that's a good enough schedule where I, well, they'll get a, a, a ticket to the dance. They can get a ticket to the dance if there's that path, you know. It's good value. And at least you can hedge your bet out of it, you know, when it comes to it, if they end up getting to the, the game like TCU did. So I, I kind of like the, the value I see us on the board, just for example, um, to, to put a number at 71 for Utah, 70, excuse me, um, for Oregon, they're at 35 to one. And for uh, UCLA, 100 to one. Ooh. So they're, they're way down there. And obviously UCLA is going to be able to do it. But I think USC, Oregon, Utah, Washington, 45 to one. So Kind of like the Pac-12 to be able to push one underdog in. Okay. So you've got a Pac, a Pac-12, Big Ten team. Who are your other other two? I'll go with uh, I'll go with good old fashioned Georgia. Okay. Uh, I got I got to stick to at least one favorite if I'm going to get wild here. All right. You know what I mean? Um, yep. So I, I got a Big Ten and I got that and. I think Clemson. Actually, no. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Florida State. Florida State. Go okay. Florida. Okay. I'll go with Florida State. But I do like Clemson this year. It's tough. I think one of those two. If it's gonna be like from a value perspective, it's gonna be an ACC team or a Pac-12 team is gonna get in this year. Like they got shut out last night. It's not gonna happen two years in a row. I think if you're gonna, you know, shoot on those sides of things, you're gonna get better value and be able to. Maybe pluck off a little bit of a deal. So, so let's say let's say the the playoffs go somewhere where you've got an SEC team, a Big Ten team, and let's say Clemson makes it or Florida State, and you have a you're looking for that fourth team. They have the same amount of losses. Let's say they each have two or one loss. Do you go with that ACC team? whether it be Clemson or Florida State, which everyone didn't make it, or a two-loss Pac-12 school, Washington, USC, Oregon, Utah, whoever it happens to be, who gets that last spot? Uh, I think I – mean, Probably a Pac-12? Yeah, probably. I'm on the West Coast, so you know my my heart. I'm I'm not I'm not objective about this. I want to see USC in. I'm a I'm a USC fan. So. And and if if anybody hasn't seen Eric Froton or a picture of this man and his luscious locks, <laughs> this guy. You think of that movie, remember the Titans, and this oh, guy wow. is sunshine. Well, respectfully, th- what I get more than anything if I had a celebrity doppelganger is Carrie Elwes, Prince Wesley from the Princess Bride. When the hair is long and flowing, it's it's out oh. there now. It's it's flowing now. So, uh, little little bit of a thin mustache, and I can I can as you wish all day. I could do that as a as a Halloween costume anytime I wanted. So, 
So the guy guy is probably big USC fan. I I can I can feel it. Yeah, it, 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 the glove fits. <laughs> All right. So who would be your national champion winner this year? Uh, out, out of my crew, I, I'd like to see. I'm going Penn State. I'm going Penn, Penn State. State. That's my. I'm going dark horse. We are Penn State is twenty-five to one. I want Penn, Penn State. State to win. I think they win this year or next year. I I think they at least win the Big Ten. I think it's ripe. Obviously, Michigan is, is a problem. I mean, I just don't want to pick Michigan. Is this? I can't remember. Is this the year that the Big Ten? Gets rid of divisions, or is that next year? Next year, next when year. Uh, when USC and UCLA come on over. So this is the last year for USC. So I'm saying, in 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 the Pac-12, is their last chance to, to to backpedal their way through a soft schedule? Even though it's not soft, but you know what I mean. It's not Big Ten. Not All Big right, 10. Penn State wins your national championship. Who is your Heisman winner this year? That's my favorite. Go to my player futures. My favorite futures for Heisman, value wise. Uh, I like Drake May. He's twelve to one. I like. Uh, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. twenty-five to one is a good shot. Because look, we had we had Devonte Smith one year. Yep. You know, that happened. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for a running back. Yeah, can't can't close the door. Did we have wide receiver? Yep. Who won uh who won the Kenneth Walker year? Wasn't that oh it wasn't it was Bryce. Bryce. It was Bryce. Yeah, what am I talking? Of course it was Bryce. Yeah, well it's it's a long shot, it's twenty five to one. Um I kinda like another long shot. I think Ty Simpson wins the Alabama job. Whoa. 61. Yeah, I don't care about Buckner. I just don't like him. I just don't, I just, what about Milrow? I think absolutely not. <laughs> I'm a Milrow anti-Simpson owner. I like Simpson. I think Simpson's the guy to own there. My, my personal right. opinion. That's a nice job hedging, though, buddy. Well, you want one. You want to talk about hedging. I had Tyler Buckner when he was at Notre Dame. And then I traded him, and then a week later he signs at Alabama, and I was like, "Ah, I should have just, I should have just kept him." No, <laughs> right? Oh, buddy, I do feel bad about that. Oh my god, I just hope Tyler back to the active league, right? I was, I was always hoping that Tyler Buckner would win the Notre Dame job, and then now I'm like, "All right, hope you don't win the Alabama job." I'll tell you what blows me away. I can't believe Jordan Travis is the is the number two odds-on favorite to win the Heisman. Wow, the hype is real. Wow. So, Number two? So we did a podcast. I don't remember when. It was right. It was a couple weeks after the season had ended. I'm not going to go back and find it. But I did say that Jordan Travis was my sleeper for the Heisman. He's back. not a sleeper. Well, he was a sleeper <laughs> at the time. Oh, uh, at the time, right, yeah. Fair, Jacob, fair. what was your bet that you had found last week? There was a certain bet for a Heisman winner, and then there was a parlay bet that you had mentioned last week. One oh, quarterback. Oh, yeah, so Jaden Daniels. 
is plus sixteen hundred, and He's LSU eighteen hundred now. Yeah, LSU, I like Jaden Daniels. LSU that's should be pretty good, yeah, and to win the national championship is plus sixteen hundred. So if you parlayed that, put ten bucks in, you might be, you might have a nice little Christmas. The only issue I have with Daniels is the Garrett Newsmeyer factor. Yep, it's the only thing that bothers me because he looked. Great. I like Newsmeyer a lot. I have him in uh, my C2C uh, Invitational League, and I ain't giving him up. But that being said, I absolutely looked at Daniels. He's actually 18-1 to 1 on oh. DraftKings now. I, I really like that. I mean, if he keeps the job the whole year, I think that's a steal. Yeah. All right. So you, I, uh, we had one of our members of our league, Ian Ranker. He put together a list of players that are – Available in our supplemental leagues. He went through Campus to Canton. If you're not familiar with the website, a group of guys put together a website, do podcasts daily, daily content coming out. But he went through and looked at who are just ADP-wise players taken and are still available in our league. Put this together, sent it to Eric. Eric, who are some guys available in our supplemental draft that we need to pick up. Well, I'm just looking alphabetically here, so I'll, I'll run down. And this is for C2C, right? C2C. So try not to bore you with too many G5 guys, even though obviously Alex Adams has to be respected for Akron. Akron, yep. You have to be. Um, just going alphabetically, Lakint Allen. Guy broke tackles at an absolutely insane rate last year. Uh, no reason why his size is the 220, 225 range. That kind of break tackle breaking ability, uh, breakaway speed. I think you have to have him. He he would, and he caught a couple passes there yeah. uh, at the end of the year. He's and, interesting, yeah. And uh, some previous running backs there would be hashtag pleased with that performance. If you're not familiar, look up uh, Sean Tucker tweets. There we go. Um, uh, next, Jake Brinning's, Brin, Brinning's stool. So I actually uh, just completed or am putting the finishing touches on my tight ends article, right? Because I just put out a receiver one two weeks ago. Last week, I put out a running back article looking at, you know, the position from a college fantasy point of view uh, historically over the past five years. And uh, Jake Brinning's stool is one of my favorite uh, sleeper slash breakout tight ends. And the reason why is he ran 12% of his, uh, should be Davis Allen last year, right? In the Clemson offense had a pretty darn good season, ran 12% of his snaps, you know, of his routes from the wide alignment, 12%. It's been shown that from the tight end per position, guys who run at least 9% of their snaps out wide, tend to be viewed, you know, by their coordinators, by their offenses as being, you know, kind of more important to the passing game and get more targets and typically produce more CFF points. Um, so taking over for Davis Allen, uh, who caught 39 of 51 passes, 443 yards, five touchdowns as the primary tight end last year. That's a really nice season. Uh, I think you could even see Brennan Stool. He's probably even a better athlete than Davis Allen kind of was and a little more, you know, passing oriented. 
only ran 32% of his snaps in the line. Um, so if he goes and he takes over that 12% wide rate with Club Nick there, as opposed to like the half and half between DJU and Club Nick year one, I think you probably see 60 targets and you can see him dominate. So uh, I love Burning School and I think you see him, you know, he will be a pro consideration. So uh, I love him. I think that's somebody, you know, you have to pay attention to. Jaleel Farouk for Oklahoma. Without a doubt, I think he's going to be the alpha in that room. Uh, and hopefully Dylan Gabriel stays upright. But if he doesn't, all right, it's Jackson Arnold's turn. You, Go for it. Yeah. Are, are you at all worried about if if I am a um, – I, why am I blanking on his name? Quarterback, Gil, uh, Gabriel. Gabriel. If I'm a Gabriel yeah. owner – and how this season goes, do you think Dylan Gabriel is the quarterback all year long? Um, and maybe do we see Jackson Arnold a little sooner rather than later? I will say that uh, I do have some friends around the Oklahoma program, and the first thing they said to me when you know Dylan Gabriel got on campus was like, man, I didn't realize how small he is. <laughs> like, I thought he's going to stay upright, and sure enough, he got hurt. He's in the Big 12 now, you know. So they have like 14. Can he stay upright? Maybe he can stay upright. But I'll tell you one thing. I like Jake's Jackson Arnold. And if you watch him in the spring game there for Oklahoma, I don't think any freshman, any of these incoming freshmen had a better spring game than Jackson Arnold. No. You so you look now I'm off script now. Now I want to know. <laughs> you were you you were at the Elite Eleven last year. Yeah, I watched. Jackson, I watched three days. Yeah, Jackson won Arnold won the Elite Eleven. Yeah, won the Elite Eleven. I I feel that some players are better under certain settings than others. Did you get that feeling that he won it because it was in a you know a setting that was prime for him or? He's he's legit. Like, cause you got you've got you got. We'll get to it later. But you've got, you know, Arch Manning. He didn't participate. But then you've got Nico. You've got who also didn't, didn't participate. He didn't participate. No. You got Nelson. Everyone else did. Yeah. You got Nelson. Um, you've got. Uh, why am I forgetting? UCLA. Dante Moore. Dante Moore definitely. So like, yeah. how how good did he look in person? Jackson Arnold looked really, really good in person because he was, you know, you got to stay, you're going through, you go and you do your drills day one, you do a little bit and then it's sevens and day three, you know? So like he looked good coming into sevens. He had like a slight lead, but Dante was right there too. I talked to the 247 guys. Dante was right there. Um, but and I think both of them look good in their seven sessions, but Arnold was very, very, just calm, surgical, you know, calm feet, but just very – he looked the part. He's got the size. Wasn't rattled by the big, you know, being there with all these other guys. And he was the best guy there. Dante was really good, though. I love J.J. Cole, who's an Iowa State kid. He's got a big arm, J.J. Cole. Huge. He's got a big arm. He's a big kid. Like, you see his delivery, and it's like he'll almost – it's like it's, you know, it's not a lineup. Like he comes up and he'll like get to a point where he he hits it, 
And then when he's coming forward, the way the ball is just exploding out of his hand is just like, oh man. Like if you can get him and, and he's huge, he's not particularly mobile. Like he's he's a pocket guy. Man, if you could oh, fun fun fact. Not necessarily about JJ Cole, but Jacob mm-hmm. looks out his front, he steps out his door and he sees Ankeny High School where JJ Cole Goes to high school. Whoa. Yes. That's pretty so, awesome. I mean, wow. To me, J.J. Cole is much more of that quarterback who, in a camp setting, he will wow you because he's not, you know, getting the pass rush, like, coming at him like that. Yeah. But he's, he's got a monster arm. There's, like, no question yeah, about that. Like, arm. to me, it's like Joe Flacco-type arm. Just well, big. put it this way. Like when, like, when I saw him at the Elite 11 – I think he was still a three star. Like, no, he, he might. Oh, like he was a low four star at that point, or a high three star. Yep. I don't even know if he had gotten his fourth star at that point. Frankly, I think that's like I think he got it right after that. But like he was a high three, who was just one of the guys there, and he came out. He's right now. I think either the consensus rank or the two forty seven. Just look at it. He's the ten. Selling is the tenth rated quarterback in the class. That's pretty damn good going from. You know, a high three, you have a big camp setting, and then a nice senior session, you settle as the 10. Nice get for Iowa State. Yep. To me, it's just if he can figure out, you know, kind of how to move around in the pocket the way a lot of these pocket quarterbacks can. If he's mobile enough to do that, then he can have a lot of success. Like here, NFL, college, doesn't matter. I was pretty upset. I I was planning on coming down to Ankeny because I wanted to watch. So Ankeny and Dowling. Big rivalry. You got Jackson Smollett gets that late call. Nico scratches. You got Smollett comes up. And you had Dowling Catholic coming to Ankeny High School. That was going to be the J.J. Cole versus Smollett. That's probably, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think of Jacob and I are from the same high school. A lot of the guys that we play the C2C League are from this Ankeny High School. Uh, Area, this might be like the biggest, like two names on a field in a long time since Joel Lanning. Or, I mean, wow, a quarterback for sure, yeah. for sure. Because, I mean, you got like Caden Proctor, obviously, yeah, who played with you know in Wonkpa over at Southeast Polk. So, every time they took the field, they had two five stars pretty much, but yeah, so all right, right well. I was- I'll move on. I'm sorry. I know we got to nope. keep this going here. It's like, you know, been doing two and a half hours. Um, Roman Hemby, running back, Maryland. Nice to see him still out there and available. Real great pass catcher. Great. Almost had a thousand yards, just a shade under a thousand yards as, you know, a true freshman there going into the Big Ten in Maryland. Why not? He's, he's on the wire. He's going to be drafted. Tez Johnson, you might as well take a whiff at. Excellent. You know, advanced stats over there. Uh, high usage rate over at Troy. Uh, I love Theo Johnson for Penn State. Call like 85% of his passes. Um, Penn State obviously is a factory for tight ends. I think he's going to be very good on a C2C and, uh, you know, uh, college fantasy. Brenton Strange just went in the second round. Look, take Theo Johnson. Uh, let's go down here a little further. Luke McCaffrey still out there. Hey, hey. C2C, you're going you're gonna to get some points out of him. I can tell you that much. Devin Mockaby, another really good pass-catching back who is, who is rarely you know good between the tackles back, and that doesn't happen all the time for Purdue. 
Um, Kobe Paysauer for UNC. Why not? I assume you got McCollum in there. Is McCollum in there? Yeah, yeah. Nate McCollum. I really like Nate McCollum for UNC. I got a lot of Nate McCollum. I took him in my C2C program league. He's explosive. Watch his Georgia Tech tape. Real explosive. Are you worried at all about the new offensive coordinator coming in to? You got Drake May throwing you, and he uh, you can't get any worse than Georgia Tech. If you can stand out the way he did getting touches for Georgia Tech, <laughs> he's not there to not score points. They're not going <laughs> to not score 35 points a game. They're scoring 35 points a game to probably score 40. I'm not worried. You're not going to um, not get Randy Jackson's autograph on a Sam Ride Just story. stop it. Just stop it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brendan Rice, USC, as previously mentioned, Jerry Rice's kid, he's 6'4", 220, and he's good. I like him. Um, Shadur Sanders, okay, you know what's going on. Cameron Scadabo, probably not a UTC, C2C guy, but he'll probably start for Arizona State, and he's, he's fun in, in the Luke Staley mode. Sturdivant could be somebody he's, he's worth taking a shot on. Jamari Thrash, why not, going to Louisville. We know he's going to get a ton of targets. Um Voicen is a good – well, he's more G5. Uh, Nikia Watson, another, he way overperformed what I expected out of him last year at, at Washington State. Then he got hurt. But if you look, he's like at 85 for his uh, PFF rating. Awesome uh, pass catching back. That stuff matters to the NFL. You know, like he's a complete back. Definitely Antoine Wells. I've heard a lot of great pub. He's small. He's a slot receiver. He's small. But everybody seems to love him. And he, he got a ton of targets last year. And it's South Carolina should be pretty good. Uh, Mayan Williams. Boom. Love Mayan Williams. Myself and Felix Sharp, C2C. Are probably the number one and two Mayan stands. I'll send so, you a link for a Mayan Williams autographed jersey so you can you can bid on it. Let's them. go. Broken tackle rate. One of the top broken tackle rates in the nation over the past few years. I think maybe number one. It's either him or Bijan like, and, and Rashawn. It's like those guys. He's a top five broken tackle rate over the last two years. He is 5'8", 220, and he's a little bowling ball. He's kind of like, like not as explosive, but in the mold of like a Damian Pierce. Extremely elusive for a little guy with a great center of gravity. I think he's being terribly underrated because he doesn't have home run speed. Man, his feet are great. And Squirrel White. Squirrel White, Tennessee, taking over that uh, that role for um, Hyatt. Definitely takes Squirrel White. He's, he's going like – he's a top 10 CFF wide receiver. Well, Tez Walker, UNC, Devon Tez Walker, obviously he's a top – I have him 14, but he's top 10 in a lot of places. He's borderline one. Well, thank you for going over those names. I have a question for you. You've been playing college football for a long time. You've been playing C2C for, for a bit too. We're three years into this. I'm not sure if this is the most – special high-end QB talent from a freshman level ever coming in. I've never really dug deep into it, never really paid attention. I'm playing C2C. If I have a first-round pick and you've got your Dante Moores, your Nikos, your Nelsons, your Jackson Arnolds, am I missing somebody? I feel like I'm missing one other quarterback. I feel... I feel like there's a lot of top end QBs out there. Malachi, Is, you get Malachi. Yep, Malachi. Malachi, Jackson, Arch, Nico. Arch, I miss Arch. Okay. Like, is, th- is this normal? Is this cyclical? Is this abnormal? Like, do I need to use a first-round draft pick 
on a QB, whoever I believe in. Oh, well, okay. First off, do you play in a one QB pro league or is it super flex? Super flex. Yeah, obviously you're taking one of those QBs if you want to. Yeah, you should definitely consider one of those QBs, whichever your your one is. I mean, you're gonna want to you're gonna want Cedric Baxter and Zachariah Branch in your plans. You know, you'd want to want to have an eye on them as well, and, and guys of that ilk. Obviously, uh, Justice Haynes for Alabama running back. But yeah, those there's there's five six QBs that are top flight that I want. I want one of those QBs. So if you've got a top seven pick, you've got about five, six QBs that I think it's six QBs. And in in my opinion, you've got Cedric Baxter, you've got Zachariah Branch and Jonte Cook as kind of like your top. And, and Justice Haynes, I think is, is top top of your list that you you need to be aware of. Jacob, do you have any names that you want to kind of toss in there too? Um I mean it really depends on what you're going for, right? Cuz like if you want to if you're shooting for just high end devy upside, there's a few there's maybe two other running backs you could, like if you liked them, you could take a Cam Seldon or a Roderick Robinson in the first round. But yeah, I would, absolutely. I would yeah. expect those quarterbacks to go in that first round. Yeah. So, so make sure you're, you know, make sure you're making yourself aware of, of those names, looking into those. And then we've got a couple questions here to get you out, Eric. What's one piece of advice if I want to get better at CFF football? I don't care about C2C anymore. I just, like, I just want to get better on the CFF side. How, do, what's one piece of advice you have for me and our listeners? If you want to get better on the CFF side, you need to understand the dynamics of what makes a successful player. Because there's 133 teams, you know, it, it can seem like it's just an ocean you're swimming in. So many players, you know, and how do you win them down? How do you want them? And, and you know, how do they translate? And I actually wrote, um, Three, uh, this, the third column is coming out tomorrow morning. Uh, three columns, one on running backs, one on wide receivers, one on tight ends. It kind of goes through what you can expect from the position, what you want to look for, what where they're produced, and how to search for those players. So, like, I would say if there's anything, one piece of advice is just simply understand the dynamics of where you're shopping for these players, you know, go look at what, what, what does a successful running back look like? You know, how many points is that? Um, what, what are the traits? What type of offenses generally produce them? Is there anything that, you know, is a little kind of a cheat code for, you know, scoring that I can kind of help to get a little edge and whittle down the pool on who I want to target in those later rounds, you know, that, that are out, you know, unconventional. That sort of thing. Like, what, what's the game theory behind how I look at wide receivers? What's the game theory behind how I look at running backs and where the data tells me to go? Because I just went and spent, like, three weeks of my life going through each of those three positions and all the tendencies that I see and where you want to look and how you want to kind of approach um, targeting players. 
So, like, it isn't so much, oh, take this player, take that. It's more learn how to do it. Learn what each, what a successful player from a college fantasy standpoint looks like at each position. That's what I think is the best thing. It's just having that hard baseline of knowing what you need to shop for as opposed to just kind of going out and just being like, oh, this guy, this guy has talent. This guy has talent. You know, make sure you know the systems too in the coaching movement. The whole I'm not going to give, I'm not going to give all of it away, but go out there, read Eric's uh, articles. He's got the rule of 35 for quarterbacks, right? You've got running back receivers. Yes. For wide yes. receivers. It was in wide receivers, and then it was the 50, 50 point rule. The, the rule of 50. The rule of 50. The, the, excuse me, the rule of 35, and then uh, the 50 point principle. Excuse me. So there, there's a couple things if you want to go just make yourself familiar with some writing that, that Eric's put out there, some really good work. And I, selfishly, I'm hoping for a certain tight end uh, to be talked about. In this article, I'm not going to let you guys know because I, I I did a lot of research and I found this guy and I want I want to get him. Oh, awesome! Well, good. You'll have to DM me. I won't I won't let him know off air. You'll have to DM. I've me I've already air. I've already talked to you a little bit about this player oh, okay. inadvertently. Oh, okay. Good. Lachlan, right. no problem. No problem. That's good. Ha- hashtag Tiger Kings. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, what is one CFF? Hot take that you have this year. CFF hot take this year. Um, I think I love Akron this year. I love Akron. I have DJ Irons ranked way higher than everybody else. Apparently, um, at least that I play college fantasy with. Because Joe Moorhead's in town. He's looking to rebuild his value. It's year one was the reset. They're already in year one throwing the ball 42 times a game, which is just plain flagrant. Unlike a lot of other te- schools, you know, that are in the MAC, when they have a good season, a lot of their players leave. No, they got Alex Adams back, and they got another sleeper I love for wide receiver, Daniel George for Akron. That guy could play. He's the primary outside threat for them. Shocky Jock Louis is now gone. So you had three guys who had at least 90 targets out of that, uh, you know, that receiver group. I think you get Daniel George. You, you get Daniel George isn't going. I was getting them until I started taking them in Bainbridge. Freaking started sniping me. I was getting Daniel George in like the, the 28th, 29th round. I was getting whenever I wanted them. And they just went in the 19th round in our last draft we had, because that son of a bitch took them. So, so, um, so yeah, Eric, I'm, I'm in the George. I'm in the C5 program league. Daniel oh, nice. George. So you're new. You're the you're a newbie. Daniel George is not taken. And we are in exactly. and we are in round 39 of our oh, yeah. you'll, you'll be able to get him at 45. Just wait until around 45 and take Daniel George. No one's gonna take him. No one you know, him. and if somebody from the program listens to this podcast and feel free but my guess is none of you are listening to this we're just giving out free information steel <laughs> it is the program i know i understand on this for c2c purposes it's not sexy to take an accurate receiver you know so i get that is adams taken is alex adams taken yeah he was gone pretty early pretty oh wow see that's the point though adams is going in as a top 20 type wideout 
Yeah, Georgia's hanging out until the last round. Um, we get him in the 45th after, you know, Adams. And he's got just – he could absolutely just as well put up similar numbers. And he I'll, probably will. I'll look to see when, when he was taken here. Um, but what other hot takes, Jacob, do you have? So my hot take for this week is that the 2023 Bolitnikov Award winner is a favorite of this show, and his name is Keon Coleman at Ooh. Florida State. Okay, okay. That does that, I mean, does that mean Jordan Travis is probably the Heisman as well? Um, I don't know. Because sometimes, like, the Heisman, like, your win-loss record kind of matters. So, like, if they lose a few games, maybe not. But All right. My hot take for 2023 is that Preston Stone – Quarterback from SMU is a top 20 quarterback this season. The SMU offense scores a bunch. They pass a bunch. Preston Stone is the highest rated QB recruit and honestly might be the highest recruit ever at SMU. Um, So I am all in on Preston Stone this year. Ian, congratulations. Keep Preston Stone. Keep him close. Closer than you kept Anthony Richardson before you traded him away before he was drafted. I don't know what you were thinking. I still don't get it. But anyways, that is my CFF hot take this year. Anything else we got going on that we want to talk about? Otherwise, I want to give Eric a chance. We did some plug-in throughout the throughout the night, but anything that you're working on, anything you want people to go check out, how can we find you on Twitter? What's going sure. on? Absolutely, you can find me at CF Froton on the Twitter machine. See, CFF is even in my handle. That's how dedicated I am. But. Uh, yeah, so you can find me there. Uh, I will be, I work for NBC Sports, of course. I will be putting out my tight ends article tomorrow. It's about 2,500 words with, it's voluminously sourced with a ton of information over the past five years about the position. You're going to learn about Tito's. Uh, of course, I already tweeted about that. You know, that's, already, <laughs> you know, that's already in the lexicon. I don't even have to get into Tito's now. It's just accepted. But, um, and kind of get into, uh, the wide rate corollary is what I call call it. So uh, three very in-depth CFF, very well-researched articles from a game theory perspective, uh, running backs, wide receivers, and on my tight end article, highly recommended to check out. I think you really get a lot out of it. All right. Well, thanks, Eric. That'll do it for us tonight. Next week, Jacob, you will not be here. No. Tweet will be celebrating a 10th anniversary with my wife. And she won't let you do a podcast on that night? No. Wow. No. <laughs> she's okay. not she's not she's not dedicated to the game. For right. there. So so Tweet will be on the podcast next week and we will be interviewing Dennis Grimm, our Iowa Hawkeye lover, our Big Ten lover. We're gonna be resuming our manager uh, interviews figuring out what he's looking for. If you want to trade with Dennis, what's the best way to get a hold of him? 
What are things that he's looking for? What is his strategy that he's going for on the college side, NFL side? Because he is our uh, runner-up on the call or on the NFL side, and has always had probably the ugliest pig on the college side. Um, so, what can we do to pretty up, put some lipstick on that pig that he's got there on the college side? But we will be doing that interview next week. That will do it for us tonight. We are out. That's Eric. That's Jacob. And I'm Luke. Jacob, don't forget to start your studs. And don't hate the player. Hate the game. And I am Triple H. Good night. I don't get it. I don't get it.